Recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles in West Bend, Wisconsin, this is the Crimson Cowl Comic Club Podcast. Welcome to Issue 4, dear listeners and readers. I'm Anthony. I'm David. I'm Katie. I'm Jim. And Kurt's dad. <laughs> we have a full table here at the Comic Club, and we have no specific uh, recommended reading for the Comic Club picks, which means we're going to go around and talk about the non-spoiler uh, pitches for the books that we've been reading. And so if anyone's listening to this, you don't have to press pause and wait a week until you read the book or anything like that. Um, we're going to kick off right away with X-Men Blue, number 16. Uh, this one is the first part after uh, we had talked about like the Mojoverse um, over the last like month or so of the crossover between X-Men Blue and Gold. And one of the revelations from there uh, showing the uh, alliance of Magneto with the young X-Men that are displaced out of time. So we see some uh, aftermath with that as Magneto has a, a secret that this issue kind of revolves around that actually kind of... Uh, I'll just say Cross Time Capers Part 1. So there's a secret that Magneto has that kind of sets us on a different path for these uh, young X-Men. Uh, for people that haven't been following, the the after the Avengers versus X-Men aftermath, um, due to the result, uh, Beast went back in time to kind of bring the original X-Men to our time to show them what had happened and kind of show like Scott Summers, like this is kind of like what everything happened and hopefully to inspire them to. Well, and also they were their... brought in to inspire the present mutant population to recapture Xavier's dream. And <laughs> that was a couple year mission. And eventually they didn't actually, they got stuck in our time so they've been here the whole time, so you'll have multiple copies. At, at one point, at least they made the decision to stay, though, didn't right. they? Eventually, yeah, because yeah. at first they couldn't, and then there was a period, there was a stretch of books that I didn't read from All New X-Men, but but then I you get actually a gist of that in this book here yeah. to kind of catch you up and uh, kind of like a little fresh start on it. But, uh, yeah, this book was... They were somewhat hard. split over it, too, because I'm pretty sure... That Angel really wanted to return to their time period, but Jean Grey was insistent they were going to stay where they were, and so um, finally the whole team made the decision: well, we're going to do one or the other together, and they yeah, decided yeah. to stay. Yeah, and you know, and it's evolved enough that even though this is like the original X Men, they've already changed from what the original X Men were. There's some differences in the the way that the team's set up and, and even some of the, the characters have uh, changed and evolved a little bit more than they would have had they been in their own time. But, but yeah, X-Men Blue, uh, going into it, you know, X-Men Gold, I preferred more with that team. And like I said, I was kind of off of the all-new X-Men for the last uh, year or so. But this issue kind of started off pretty awesome with this arc, so I'm excited to... Uh, read blue whereas blue usually kind of fell to the bottom of my stack of reading and this was the same case this week turned out to be one of my favorite books so cool. so yeah i like that one there just out of curiosity who's going to read red 
Who's going to read red? <laughs> well, I, I have a pre-order for at least number one. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll be checking it out at first just to see. I mean, right now I'm just waiting to see what the tea makeup's going to be. Well, and, they announced it in the preview. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, we just recently got the previews. I haven't had a chance to fully go through this. So as we are talking about some of the preview stuff today, I'll, you know, I've got a copy sitting right here in front of me of, of the Marvel stuff. So maybe and I'm getting I'll be, that. Sorry. I'll oh, be, no, uh, no, because no, I'll be... Uh, I'll be learning as we go, uh, just along with anybody else who's listening and hasn't checked it out yet. Because after I saw the makeup, I decided red is... You know, I, you can only read so many X-Men books. Okay, well, now Ultimately. I've got to look. Now I've got to look right now. <laughs> the, the lineup didn't excite me that much, so I decided... And I didn't, read the, I didn't read the lineup, <laughs> so I'm curious now, too. Uh, Tom Taylor, who I like, he's the writer of uh, the all-new uh, Wolverine. Uh, who's uh, Laura Kinney has taken over for uh, you know the current Wolverine that is dead. Um, it's so hard to talk about that because there's like except he's not really because <laughs> yeah, and then there's Old Man Logan, and then but she's Wolverine and blah blah blah. But so from a writer standpoint, I'm excited with what he's been doing over the last uh, two and a half three years with all uh, all new Wolverine. So I'm excited to jump into the X Men Red. You have to look so. at the bottom of the page there if you want to see. Uh... Yeah, I'm just kind of looking at a little bit of the art from some of the variant covers because I figure that's going to give some of it away. It, it's a mix. I mean, it's characters that I like and characters that I don't care about. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and I'll be honest, I'll be honest, uh, most of the characters are characters that I just don't really care about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, which is, which is a, a shame. Uh, I'll, I'll probably, you know, still check it out and see because it could yep. be a pleasant surprise. Let me know if it but, is. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'll be bringing it. I'll but, possibly bring it to the table. So. Me too. You know, I can't. Uh, I can't read all of the books that are out there. And with this many X Men books, as much as I, you know, have always been a big fan of the X Men, um, you know, I just uh, can't do it. You know, yeah. not not that many titles. So just looking at the team lineup, this is something I would check out and kind of see what it is. But if I had to guess right now, I'd say it's probably not going to be a regular read unless the, the story is just, you know, that, that strong and, and everything <laughs> that, uh, um, you know, that, uh, that it keeps me wanting more. Yeah. Well, a good story can make you interested in characters you didn't like before. You yeah, to it can. And, and yeah, and that's, that's a good point because that's something that I've said um, a lot when talking about the di diversity in comics. Yeah. Um, Rather than the forced diversity, it would be nice to have more, like, like try to have good stories on some of these existing characters and try to build them up and use those characters that could potentially be the good characters. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's a good point, you know, just because these aren't the characters I'd love to see yeah. on an X-Men team doesn't mean that it's going to be a bad book. Yeah, and I don't think that either, but I was reading four X-Men books already, so it was like, this would have yeah. to be something really stunning to make me jump into it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it could it could just as easily turn into X-Men unread. <laughs> and uh, while on the topic of X-Men, uh, Katie or Jim, either of you have any X-Men stories that you've read at all, or just no, anything... And because uh, I had recommended on the Facebook page talking about Joss Whedon's Astonishing X-Men, which was something where I haven't read X-Men in a long time, but that is a very good, he, he did a good job of telling a story where I didn't know, you know, I hadn't been reading the past like eight years or so, but I don't think you really need to know a lot of that as long as you, you know, if you just know who the characters are and stuff and it's kind of its own little uh, 
interesting story that doesn't connect and cross over with any other series and stuff. So when it comes to the topic of the X-Men, I'm always uh, happy to promote that book. I'd give it a shot for Joss Whedon. Yeah. For me, the X-Men is one of those series where I feel kind of intimidated to get into. It's been going for a long time. People have a lot of ideas about it. There's a ton of teams. So sort of like, well... I don't know if I'm ready to commit to that kind of level yet because I feel like I want to know the characters first before I watch them team up. And then I'm like, oh, but I'm already interested in the Avengers. All right. And at that point, we're getting to the quantum level of comics and what you can and can't like. But for me, I'm like, I don't know. It's, I and would have to maybe give it a shot. Honestly, my recommendation my for somebody coming into the X-Men because we do have, I don't know, like... 20, 20 titles now yeah. or whatever it is. It's all 10 of them. I'm pretty sure. That's pretty <laughs> yeah, close to 10. Um, and there's so many characters and they're spread out over so many books. To really uh, get into the X-Men and see what it is, I'd recommend actually not jumping into some of these books um, other than possibly Blue because it's kind of a, a different setup where you don't necessarily need you know, 100 years of backstory on it. Um, but otherwise, I would recommend getting into some of the, the classic uh like trade paperbacks, mm. the storylines mm-hmm. like that. That'd be a great way to jump into it, um, and and read some of those uh, just those books that it seems like everybody's read and everybody knows and loves. Things like the Dark Phoenix Saga and Days of Future Past, and you know, um, <laughs> jump jump onto some of those and and get get a feel for some of those characters that have been around, and that'll really help you get to know the characters. It gives you a good um, a good foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and plus, they're really good stories. There, the X Men are a family, which is the perfect segue to Katie's pick, uh, talking about the family trade. All right, so today I brought in the family trade. It's written by Justin Jordan with Nikki Ryan, Morgan Beam, and Rachel Deering filling out the creative team. It's published by uh, Image Comics, and right now we have two issues. I'm expecting the third. And the premise is there is a um, kind of a extended family group of assassins and rogues and spies that are sort of trying to help keep the clan and the ruling groups of this flotilla of islands honest and, you know, sort of intervening when they don't. Um, Things that I love about it. So I really quite like the artwork. I was really surprised. Um, It has kind of a watercolor feel to it, which I think is really fun and you know, it's a softer image, and it's different than what we normally see, which is normally a very um, formal, hardline cartoon style or something maybe a little darker and more visceral and graphic. Um, and, you know, in a way, it does kind of counter against what could otherwise be a very dark story about, you know, a whole group of people whose job it is to, you know, lie, cheat, beg, borrow, steal, and oftentimes kill. Um, but it keeps the story kind of tongue-in-cheek. Uh, so... In regards to the characters, we have a young woman who is the latest in her family line, and she is sent to take out a, I don't know, kind of like an up-and-coming political figure and eliminate some troublesome things that he is saying and doing that they feel are not in the best interests of the people. And it doesn't go so great for her, so she ends up kind of getting benched and isn't feeling so great about it. But then she, in our second issue talks to a member of her extended family. So for listeners, there is the family, and they're all kind of interrelated, and then there are some people within it that actually are direct family. So she meets up with her cousin, Ree, whose day job is a violinist and street musician. And Ree kind of kicks her into action and says, well, you know, 
our bookmaker is, you know, not going to do anything about it. And he says to kind of sit still and see what happens, but you're going to go and do something about it. So she says, yeah, darn right. I am going to go and do something about it. So we see her adopt a disguise and is going undercover to find out some information, determines that there has been a leak that the family, which has been secret and that the clan leaders don't know about. Now they do. There is some information getting out and we're going to find out uh, what she's going to do about that. So uh, another kind of feature that I like about it, aside from the story, is we have cats that have their own ability to kind of communicate. I think maybe they might be psychic, but that hasn't been confirmed yet. So anyway, the bookmaker, who is the one who hands out these jobs and assigns it and sort of has his ear to the ground on everything, uses a network of chubby uh, and attitude-ridden cats to kind of communicate with his people. So you mess up, and then you have a cat uh, waiting for you, sitting and looking at you in judgment, and then it pops up As a hairball. Yeah, exactly, right? So suddenly I'm envisioning uh, Garfield the uh, grumpy cat. Intertwined with this book here. You know, there really could be. Maybe maybe this world has their own version of that. But anyway, um, some of the family members apparently can speak cat, but uh, the main character, we find out her name is Jessa, cannot speak cat. She can speak uh, eight other languages, but cat eludes her. And uh, <laughs> Jessa's day job, by the way, is a teacher, so I think that's kind of cool. And she says she does it because, well, everyone's got to make a living, and then she hears about what uh, all of the powerful people are doing through their kids. Anyway, I think it's a lot of fun. It's got some swashbuckling, uh, good kind of classic spy heist feel to it. And to me, it has a little bit of an element of film noir, if you're interested in that. And awesome colors. So definitely give it a shot. So two issues in right now. Um, do we know if it's a limited series or just a potential ongoing? Sometimes you never know with like an independent series where... We'll see how long it can yeah. go. Even, even ongoing season, uh, series, sometimes you have to look at as potential ongoing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it really depends on how well they do. I don't know how long it's going to run. Uh, part three is out around November twentieth, so I will have to be seeing about getting or December. Is this November twentieth? So <laughs> let me let me take another on, check. Yeah, and, and sometimes with an independent yeah. series, uh, there will be delayed. there could be some delays. So. But, but yeah, so yeah. A, a rather this, new this series. This is where we yell at Kurt and say, hey, Kurt, look this up for us. <laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> okay, it's an ongoing. When's, uh, when's three? When's the release date for number three? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, if you're interested, feel free to uh, come on in and ask about it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, the uh, writer in the back writes us kind of a little column that is outlining his take on the issue. He said it was inspired by a conversation uh, with an acquaintance who had a cousin who seemed super nice and kind and was, you know, relatively well off and just seemed to travel around Europe all the time and in his joking around and speculating about what on earth she could possibly be doing and never seemed to talk about was that naturally this very kind, sweet woman was an international assassin and of course her whole family is a group of international assassins we don't know about. So anyway... Give it a shot, guys. Family trade, Justin Jordan. I think you'll like it. Excellent sell. Uh, we're going to talk about Jean Grey, number nine. So as we talk about the all-new X-Men, the original X-Men, Jean Grey has her own book, which uh, she's living in a present world where she knows the fate of her future self, of uh, being embodied by the Phoenix Force. And this whole book has been her kind of uh, meeting up other people uh, with other people who have been consumed by the Phoenix and kind of trying to figure out how to prevent it and fight it. 
And as we know, coming out soon, we have Phoenix Resurrection in December, which right now at the shop, uh, we have these free spotlight uh, little preview magazines. So they give you a couple pages for a couple upcoming comics for Marvel. And Phoenix is one of those. So uh, you can always pick these up and then you actually get a couple pages of these comics. So rather than just seeing a, uh, an ad and a preview and a one cover or something and not knowing anything about the series... These uh, spotlight previews kind of give you some actual material to kind of get you teased and see, you know, what the style is like. So, yeah, Jean Grey, this uh, issue number nine, very important step leading into the Phoenix Resurrection uh, in her journey. And I'm not sure if the Phoenix Resurrection, if Jean, Jean Grey is still going on, if they have tie-ins or if this one's halted for, for you know, momentarily while... The resurrection events going on but for anyone that's interested in phoenix resurrection gene gray number nine is an important piece of that puzzle to kind of get you prepared for it so um but yeah it, it's been a pretty fun book where each issue feels kind of standalone at yeah, times yeah just much just because you're kind of you know you have one issue with thor and one issue with like dr strange and just namor yeah so <laughs> So while she's continuing this journey, there's kind of this, you know a fun guest star almost in every issue, and her kind of dealing with the the uh, the voice of her future self, the adult Jean Grey. So uh, yeah, good book there. I like that one a well, lot. Well, that is good to know because uh, some of us aren't currently reading Jean Grey, and yet you know I'm yeah I'm interested in uh, Phoenix Resurrection and how they uh, bring Phoenix back yet again. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of nice if you know that there's something else that's kind of important or that you can benefit from, uh, if you're going to read that story. So there's, there's probably other people that have an interest in that, that haven't had an interest in Jean Grey or even, uh, you know, X-Men Blue, uh, which regularly features yeah. the younger, uh, time-displaced Jean Grey. So it's... And oftentimes the guest stars in Jean Grey... Are the ones that make that. like the Thor yeah, one. The Thor was one was great. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, kind of like a Marvel team up book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thor drinking in a bar when she meets. <laughs> and it's such an interesting take on a story where you have someone ripped from her past, living in a future where she doesn't exist. That's the sell on Jean Grey's book. So that's a. Uh, "Quote unquote fun take, fun for the reader, not so fun, fun for, for her." Jane, right? yeah. <laughs> and then we're going to switch side to uh, some DC talk as Jim has read the Batman Creature of the Night, number one of four. One of four, yes. Um, I don't have the information in front of me what the author or artist, but um, this is a different take on the Batman. This is about a young boy whose name is uh, Bruce Wainwright who is born to upper-middle-class parents, not extremely wealthy, who die. Um, and then he is obsessed with finding, and he bothers the police about who murdered his parents. And instead of actually becoming Batman, training and becoming a Batman, he kind of psychically summons a version of Batman who takes on justice in this in the city, and um, he is being raised by, theoretically, his great uncle, who is 
he calls Alfred because his name is yeah. Alton Frederick. <laughs> <laughs> and the kid is a Batman fan. The Batman comics exist in his world, so he is a Batman fan. So. And uh, this one, uh, just hearing other podcasts have been given praise for that issue number one, uh, it's it's in the vein of a Superman with secret identity. Are you guys anyone familiar with that? That's was what another described as yeah. Yeah, so this they're saying this is like a like a spiritual successor to that book, oh, cool. where it's that same kind of deal of like a fan kind of Superman. Kind of like what became Superboy Prime, where yeah. where he was you know the li- living in what was really supposed to be like our Earth, you know where the comics existed and whatever, but nobody else and he happened to be named Clark Kent and it turns out that he ended up with these powers and everything so kind of kind of something like that mm-hmm. so basically a book where you don't have to be following any current Batman continuity it exists at, if you know the character of Batman, you know Batman that's a jump on point yeah and, yeah, then, and it, it kind yeah. of uh, brings up something interesting it's like what happened with DC uh, Elseworlds? They used to have all these Elseworld books, yep. and, and that's what really this good. and this yeah. is, and that's what something like that reminds me of. But it doesn't have the uh, the Elseworlds branding on it. Uh, they currently have that uh, that Nightwing book that's kind of like this alternate future type thing, and same thing. I mean, it's almost like this Elseworlds type thing, and it just occurred to me that wow, you know, have, have DC all the other stopped? Elseworlds. I don't. I don't think so. I think they have periodic kind of. Because remember, Elseworld. The difference Elseworld was was it looked at. It went back in time and said, "What if this happened?" Yeah, kind of of a what if type. I was just gonna say a Marvel what if. Yeah, Yeah, it was more like a Marvel what if. Various, yeah, past settings. So, like the one of the most famous ones was, "What if Superman had never come into the world? What would the Justice League look like then without Superman?" (laughs) <laughs> and if anyone's questioning what a Marvel what if is, coincidentally I had this on me as I was going to read it, is what if no one was watching The Watcher, a comedic take on The Watcher <laughs> of the Universe, and, and it would just tell a tale that just existed in its own, you know, one-shot yeah. story. The Watcher? <laughs> <laughs> so it's a all-star humor special for this one. But yeah, the Elseworlds and what ifs, always very good, uh, like jump-on points for readers, just because you... You're not, you know, bogged down by continuity and being like, oh, I didn't read the last one. If you have a general... That's know, great for writers, too, because they're not yeah. bogged down by Yeah, right. Yeah, they don't kind of do whatever they want. <laughs> you know, they basically start off with a, a, a what-if type question. Right. You know, what if uh, Batman had a Green Lantern ring or, you know, whatever, and what would happen with that? And they get to use their imagination and write this story, which oftentimes turns into a pretty pretty fantastic story that they do on you know just based on one little question what if this had been different mm-hmm. i've been picking up um our elseworld titles the last couple of visits here and i've been enjoying them a lot um one that i just just read this last week was a green lantern elseworlds mm-hmm. title um where the green lantern character um ibn Raynor is a prince who was raised in Arabia, and his father was killed, and Shahrazad comes to tell her tales in, to him, cool. and she tells the tale of Al-Zordan. <laughs> so yeah, that's good there, and to keep it in the Bat family, 
one of my favorite books again this week. Normally it's a Marvel pick, uh, being a Marvel heavy reader. But I was surprised by Batman Annual Number 2. Uh, going off the same idea of like a like an Elseworlds type of tale, this is one where you need nothing, no information beyond you know the character of Batman and Catwoman. And you just happen to know that uh, there was an engagement in the recent uh, storyline. That's all you need to go uh, need to know going into this annual here because it's a such a surprising tale. I was I didn't know what I was getting when I was jumping into this. Sometimes you get annuals that'll have you know multiple short stories and guest artists and backups and you know it's just a, you know a variety pack of stories. This is one full oversized story in which uh, you see uh, one of the early meetings of uh, Batman and Catwoman and. Uh, a story that just kind of takes you through their life past the current continuity and even into their future, which a lot of people have questioned, well, is this canon now? Because it's in the actual Batman book. Um, and, you know, that's left for, you know, the readers and the writers to, you know, hash that out over the next uh, forever. Um, <laughs> And, uh, but it was very interesting just because it's like a quite an emotional ride that I didn't expect to get opening this up. I just figured, you know, we're just going to get a variety pack of, of Batman stories and then move on to the normal continuity. But it's, uh, it's a powerful issue. If you're a fan of Batman, Catwoman, must have. I liked it because it was very much informed by the current storyline. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't actually contribute to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, there is places in the, in this story where it absolutely makes it clear that, no, we don't have to go here. This is not necessarily what's going to happen, but it's very well could be because of the current storyline. Yeah, it's, it surprised me and that's one of the biggest praises I can give for that book. So going into it, not expecting. That's kind of the thing with, with annuals is. You never really know what you're going to get from annuals. Uh, DC, for a long time, did these themed annuals. Well, of course, uh, Marvel's done the same thing. Themed annuals where um, the annuals for all the different books, or most of them, would have this uh, main ongoing theme between the annuals. And some years they've done that, and other years they haven't, where each annual has done its own thing. Um, but I think when the annuals started it seemed like a lot of them really did contribute to the story um sometimes they would have major events happening in the annuals uh, so it was a real sell and um th then they started doing some other things and sometimes you'd get annuals that were almost yeah like they weren't necessarily within continuity um sometimes uh well I, we were just talking about elseworlds one year dc did elseworlds annuals where every one of their annuals was a, a an Elseworlds title. Um, so that can really vary a lot and I know Anthony you've mentioned before sometimes you won't even get an annual for a book that you're going that you're reading all the time um, and yeah it's just sometimes they're not necess necessary. Sometimes they, just, sometimes they are. Yeah sometimes it's a five or six dollar book that I wasn't asking for in a sense and uh, there was one a while back to kind of go to the opposite of that is that I wasn't reading Superman, but I heard uh, my favorite character over in DC being Swamp Thing. It was like, it would have been last year at this time, I think. Um, there was a Superman and Swamp Thing story that was the entire book. And when I heard he was in that, 
even though I wasn't reading Superman, I picked up that book and absolutely loved it. So I think annuals at one time, at least as I remember them, were those places where you had major events happen when they first came out. So you had like a a major event that was somehow going across, you know, and and the individual books were less these arcs that went for a long time. If you wanted something big, it usually happened in an annual. <laughs> now they're, I think you're right, they're more about um, doing something divergent from the main line. All right. So, yeah, any other uh, random issues that anyone wants to go I, I was just going to say, uh, again, really quick, I'd mentioned Dark Arc. It yes. continues yes. to be a very good, yeah. good, good read. Um, you know, for those who haven't heard me talk about it before, imagine that the devil put an arc out there at the same time God had Noah on his arc. And the two arcs are in the flood together. They don't really converge so far in the book, but on the Dark Arc, things are not yeah. quiet. <laughs> Serene. There is constant upheaval so um and all the evil creatures are on the dark arc yeah. vampires and chimera and and for some reason unicorns got slipped on there too so <laughs> yeah i second that i am also reading dark arc and yeah it's uh well it's a little messed up um it's not preachy so you know i feel like it doesn't step too much on anyone's toes uh it's really good the story is really compelling the artwork is very dark colors. It's it's really great. It makes you feel like you're in on this arc, and uh, you know, uh, you are no longer the apex predator on this arc. So it really puts you in there. It makes you feel that kind of fear, and you're invested in the story. And um, yeah, definitely a good read. I think that is. Um, oh, who's the publisher? It's not Altera. Vertigo. Vertigo, right? yeah, that's yeah, right. Okay. Right. Yes, yeah, published by Vertigo. So. And we're what two, three issues in. Third issue Third, just yeah. was this month, yeah. So early enough to jump on in and. All right. Yeah, and and actually, as long as we're gonna like pitch a few things, mm -hmm. um, that Alterna Comics actually, um, I've been pitching just because I kind of found them and started talking to uh, um, the guy that runs the publishing company on, on Facebook and, and stuff like that and found that he's, you know, they've been really great to work with. Um, and it turns out that they've got some really great books. Yeah, they do. Um, and and the, one of the better things about them, aside from the story and the art and everything, is is the price. And so if we get uh, people out there that are wanting to read a little bit more, but you're looking at some of these cover prices and going, ah, I don't know what I can pick up, look into the Alterna books. Uh, a lot of them are limited series, you know, four issues or whatever. Um, new series coming out every month, like in the new previews, there's, you'll see that, you know, mm -hmm. new series starting. Yep. Um, and uh, they're, uh, basically they've got all these different creator-owned books that are going on. So you're getting a, a real variety in the writing and the art and everything else. Genres. And they're printed on newsprint like comic books used to be. And, uh, and, and as far as I'm concerned, they still could. I, yeah, I would read them. I would love them just as much if they were still on newsprint yeah. as they were on this uh, fancy, glossy stuff that they've got now. Um, but, yeah, most of the cover prices are $1.50. They don't have anything over $1.50 in the regular uh, books. I mean, they've got trades and stuff like that, and obviously those are going to be a little bit more. Um, but I think uh, some of them, like the chair, I want to say, is only a dollar. Um, so, yeah, a dollar to a dollar fifty. Um, you get great stories, great art, um, and, and a great price. Yeah. So, 
and for for anybody that's looking for them, and I think you know probably a few people at this table have, have checked them out. I love Mister Crypt. Me too. That's my favorite one out of there. So a yeah. skeleton that gets brought in, and he's being chased by villagers, and two issues are out right now, and it's just a very comedic. Uh, it just has a like a Looney Tunes, Beetle Bailey, that kind of era of of comic cartoon, you know, storytelling and. Yeah. Speaking of, you know, it's kind of fun, Looney Tunes, cartoony. Another thing I like about Alterna is um, I think that they have a really broad range of comics for different ages. So some of the books, that, like the chair, I mean, scares me. <laughs> but we have something that you can read with your kids or, you know, have a young independent reader start with, you know, like... Lilith uh, Dark. Lilith Dark's Lilith been very Dark. popular. Yeah. It's an all ages that, again, they're all ages... Doesn't mean it's for kids. Yeah. Like a lot of all ages books, you go, oh, that's really a yeah. kid book. Um, they're all ages books, I, I think, really are all ages. Yeah. yeah. So definitely for me, Mr. Crypt is one I could happily recommend to someone who is wanting to share comics with their family or, you know, even has a young reader that's interested because it's, you know, it's picture based. We have short little speech bubbles. So really good for that, all the way on up to titles that you definitely should not share with your kids <laughs> <laughs> wicked and the righteous yeah yeah, yeah they, they, well they're they, good they, 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 have, mature they have the mature ones they have ones that are like teen and up and they have the, yeah. the all ages so they've got they've got a pretty yeah. good range i picked up the doppelganger last oh, week cool. and i'm really looking forward to the next issue of that coming out so that's from the alterna line too nice what's that about uh uh Man in the it's real world setting, no superheroes or anything. A man gets into a car accident, guy is dead, goes home. Later, he goes for a walk and finds himself waiting for him in the front yard. And he's told that, Oh, I was the guy in the car that died, and I'm taking over your life. You have 36 hours to live. I took some money out of your account here. Go celebrate. Consider me sold. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. All right. All right. I think that'll wrap it up for the non-spoiler section of books that we've been reading, and we're going to move over to the next segment. And now, the news. And in this week's news segment, we are going to take the time to go through the brand new previews catalog, uh, which are available at the store for your convenience to flip through. You see books that are coming out within uh, the next two months. This one in particular is for releases in February, whether you're talking about single issue comics, trade paperbacks, hardbacks, whether they're like reprinting old material or doing you know, new original graphic novel material, going over to toys and apparel and collectibles and statues, and there's so many different things inside these giant catalogs. Um, if you follow the Crimson Call page on Facebook, I'll go through and I'll highlight uh, maybe about a dozen picks or so from each publisher, whether it's Marvel, DC, or the Independents, and just kind of let people know about some, you know, noteworthy things. So we're going to do kind of a, a fresh, interesting look at this where some people can kind of go around too, and uh, for those that have had the time to go through the catalog. Uh, just kicking off with Marvel, we had already talked a lot about uh, X-Men Red, and uh, even though I didn't look at the character lineup, I'm now looking at it now, and I see with all-new Wolverine in there, and I would mentioned Tom Taylor, the writer of that book, so that gives me a double-down sell on that. So <laughs> so I'll bring it, and maybe I can change some Maybe minds. you can change my mind. But hey, I haven't read it yet either, so maybe it'll suck, and I won't talk about it. So 
Well, on one hand, I was surprised that she wasn't currently on a an, an X Men team. Yeah, which, she's been which, standalone. Which I was a bit wondering about. At the same time, I was kind of thinking, you know, this is a book headed by somebody who's recently resurrected. So I was kind of expecting that there might be another recently resurrected uh, character on this team, and who was named Wolverine too. Yeah. <laughs> And but, then, uh, no. <laughs> then move, moving over, something I added to my list, and Kurt's dad mentioned it as well, Doctor Strange Damnation. Yeah, um, it's one of the few books I've seen that really is a direct um, follow-up to Secret Empire. Um, we have Doctor Strange going back to um, raise up Las Vegas. That was, as, as people, well, if you read Secret Empire, you know... Las Vegas was wiped out, so he's going to raise it back up, but there are some implications that he doesn't realize in trying to bring Las Vegas back, so it sounds like a really interesting read. uh, Yeah, it's a limited series, uh, five issues, first one comes out in February, so if you like the character of Doctor Strange and maybe, you know, haven't, uh, (laughs) he definitely does, Um, and hasn't spent the time to, you know, jump in and wonder where to jump in. You know, here's a five-issue miniseries that kind of, you know, is its own little story. Um, one of the things that drew me, speaking of Secret Empire, um, the guy that had uh, written that series and set that up was Nick Spencer, who we haven't seen in a while since Secret Empire wrapped up. He had the Not Brand Eck uh, yeah. wrap-up <laughs> comedic version uh, that I talked about a week or two ago. And uh, he said, I have something fun. I haven't yet announced it. And I was surprised to see it when I turned to the page here. And the new series writer, Donnie Cates, who's uh, famous for his independent work with, like, Baby Teeth and Redneck. He's been, in the last year, he's, like, become, like, a huge uh, writer that's been getting a lot of success with his uh, independent books. Now he's jumped over to Marvel uh, uh, doing Image and now Marvel as well. So he took over Doctor Strange, and I just read his uh, Thanos issue. He took over for Thanos, and that was the uh, tremendous issue as well. So when I see this, and I see him and Nick Spencer together, uh, that got me to sign up for the miniseries. Another interesting aspect of this is the the characters involved, because while Doctor Strange is uh, on the uh, in the the title, um, you know, it looks like it's going to involve some other characters. Just reading the uh, the synopsis of this, and looking at the cover, uh, we've got a, a mixture of characters, and some of them you kind of would expect in a story like this, and, and others you wouldn't, like, um, Iron Fist there, doesn't seem like he quite fits in with some of the other characters that are on, on the cover, you know, like Blade and Ghost Rider. Moon but Knight. don't give away the big villain. Shh. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, and then moving on with Marvel, uh, we talked about this uh, last week, and uh, there's never a better time to jump on than right now. Starting in January, Avengers No Surrender, which is going to be the 16-issue Avengers event that's happening, uh, weekly issues that they're doing, uh, this big gigantic story that uh, very coincidentally leads up to the release of a movie called Avengers in May. And uh, so parts 5 through 8 are available through pre-order, and I'm sure we can... uh, go through and you know get orders in for the other issues that have yet to come out and place reorders and kind of get in uh that is going to be something we're going to be talking about every single week as long as it's interesting i would assume but it's hard to imagine it not being interesting yeah, in one yeah. way or another but yeah we'll touch on it in the club and if you are an active member with the club and you're interested and want to jump into this uh those uh 
Avengers No Surrender issues will be offered at a discounted price as uh, in participation and kind of come in on a weekly basis and talk or as often as you can make it. Um, so yeah, uh, parts 5 through 8 out of 16 are uh, covering the month of February. And when we talk characters, you know, this too, uh, you're going to see a lot of Avengers characters, uh, old, current, and new. And then uh, February is going to be a very important month for Marvel, not only with comics, but also the release of the Black Panther movie. Uh, very excited for that. And if you uh, want to get into some Black Panther, uh, they're making sure that you will never <laughs> miss a story on the rack. So we have a Black Panther annual number one coming out. We have the current Black Panther series, uh, which is available uh, currently, moving on with the storyline. Then there's a new series, uh, Black Panther, The Sound and the Fury, number one. Then there's a mini-series that's happening as well called Rise of the Black Panther. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, if you need to learn more about Black Panther leading up to the movie, uh, what better way than to uh, start picking up some of these comics because there's a... A lot of different uh, choices out there for the month of February. So so that is coming up there. Then, and, and even yes. an annual thrown in there. So yep. that, you know. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> um, and something that I'm very excited for, I'm a big fan of uh, Marvel pets, whether it be Kitty Pride's Dragon, <laughs> Dragon Lockjaw <laughs> or, uh, or Lockheed. Lockheed yep. From Lockheed to Lockjaw, uh, yep. the Inhuman <laughs> teleporting dog. Um, he is getting a limited series. <laughs> Four-issue limited series there with some uh, fun uh, variant covers of uh, Rocket Raccoon trying to... Apparently, he's tying a antenna around his head. Baby Groot's sitting there with a bucket of popcorn, and he's trying to get a reception on the TV because uh, uh, he's got that little pitchfork on top of his head that he uses for teleportation. But uh, Lockjaw, who we've seen, uh, I think, was brilliantly portrayed in the ABC See, miniseries, yeah. looks great, and it just... It was just amazing to be like, we're living in that time where Lockjaw, as a television character... Can actually look like something cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, this giant dog. And then, you know, with the help of the live action, also inspires them to come out with new stories. We had a fun Lockjaw one-shot issue, uh, not you know, a couple months ago or so, and now he's getting his own miniseries. So that one I am very excited for. And as we're talking about Marvel events, uh, we are leading up to Infinity, which we don't know a lot of information about on the comics side. We've talked a little bit about, you know, just with the teaser image of Captain Marvel, Wolverine, and Star-Lord. Right, and, and we do know a few things that are going on currently in, in a few of the different titles um, where uh, some of these characters are going out in search of uh, some of the uh, Infinity Stones. Some of them have been obtained some are still out there somewhere and uh kurtstad has mentioned uh he brought up the adam warlock so yes they are introducing reintroducing adam warlock infinity countdown adam warlock number one right it's been a while since we've seen adam warlock and yet well and i i noted earlier too when we were getting ready for this that there are a lot of infinity books that are coming out in these previews you've got um I'm, i ordered infinity gauntlet the re print of the original yep. Infinity um, War sort of concept that came out in Marvel. They have a prelude to Infinity, um, Infinity Countdown, and of course Adam Warlock is coming out too. And I ordered that. I, Adam Warlock is a character I really liked. And it made me think, how are you going to do an Infinity War movie 
without Adam Warlock, who was the cent, you know, in some ways as central to the Infinity War in comics as Thanos was. <laughs> and that's a perfect launching pad into uh, this. I've got some inside information from uh, the original creator of uh, a lot of these characters, uh, Jim Starlin who uh, recently got a set visit for the Avengers. They're doing three and four right now in the movies. And, you know, a lot of the comics people don't have any um, horse in the race when it comes to these movies. Some are brought on as consultants, but most importantly, they're just kind of separated and, you know, they're honored by credits and, you know, it's, you know, shout out to them in the credits and everything like that. So Jim Starlin was actually surprised that following him on social media, he talked about, yeah, we got an invite. And as I was getting ready to me and my wife to load up the luggage to go to the airport. All of a sudden, a big fancy vehicle showed up at his front door, and Marvel sent him a, a extended limo to take him to the airport to <laughs> send him to the Infinity War set, which is all based on comics that he's you know written, created, drawn, all that stuff. And a lot of people, the number one question is, like you just said, how do you do an Infinity War movie when you don't have this uh, Adam Warlock character? And he had mentioned he's uh, he's very interactive with his fans, and he talked about you won't be uh, disappointed. There, you know, he was very happy. He's not obligated to say anything. You can, you know, like I said, he's his paycheck doesn't count on his public. I, take I on think that. I figure Tony Stark will just take that role. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's the thing when you get to the get to the movies, you'll get a couple substitution roles. You know, whether it be Tony Stark and Bruce Banner being the creator of Ultron, which isn't what's yeah. in the comics. Now we had a little bit of an Adam tease with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, so everyone's thinking, "Oh, that's perfect because Infinity War is coming out." James Gunn, the creator of those movies, is very uh, outspoken and honest with the fans. So if you're expecting that, he's just like, he's like, no, he's not part of that. I'm part of the Infinity War Council and there to, you know, watch over the Guardians. The Illuminati. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But if there's one thing that he is not is a liar when it comes to just being honest, like not to go in and get your hopes up and, you know, where you create... If you go in thinking, oh, they're going to just throw him in there and then they don't and then you're upset at a movie that... Yeah, and I would I won't be upset with yeah. that he's not there. But I do I do remember that I really liked his character in the Infinity Wars. And I liked what they did with his character and the Infinity Watch mm-hmm. after the Infinity Wars were over. Yes. That was a really, I think, neat approach to how they struggled with well, what do you do once you get all these infinity stones? How do we keep yeah. them from being misused again? And but you won't be able to do that now because <laughs> and what's interesting is to see, you know, like they substituted those other characters, what makes me excited going in being like, who is going, like you said, you know, it'll probably be Tony Stark, but who's going to come in and play that role like, you know, like an Adam Warlock or a Silver Surfer where you have, you know, some of these important characters that they don't have set up. I guess going in as a, as a fan of the movies too, I guess we're left to the surprise mm-hmm. where we're just like, well, now we don't know what's going to happen. And, yeah. and you know. Maybe we'll be happy, maybe we'll be sad, but, you know. It'll be an event. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of leads the other question, too, of, like, you know, um, one of the things that Adam Warlock's character is really known for is all the Infinity stories. So once they've handled that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and they bring him into it afterwards, what do they do with the character? What's his purpose? Yeah. And, yeah. 
Um, I am an owner of every single Infinity story from Thanos' first appearance in Iron Man, like, 55, I think it was, up until this past week, uh, whether it be in the trade paperbacks and single issues and uh, original hardcovers, which leads me to the next preview thing, is that Jim Starlin, who has been writing a lot of stuff with Marvel on an ongoing uh uh, contract, but he's been doing these Thanos and Infinity stories and original graphic novel hardcover releases. So, like Kurt's dad had mentioned, with like a reprint of the Infinity Gauntlet, he has a brand new story, Thanos, the Infinity Siblings. So there's always something Infinity something, and he yeah. keeps doing them. And he said he, I think he's got maybe two or three left until his Marvel contract's done. But there, uh, I have that pre-order as well, which is just these. Uh, Original graphic novels and hardcover, you know, prestige mm -hmm. format and stuff. So, um, so yeah, I'm excited for that there. And yeah, with the with the big Infinity War movie coming up, you know, there's a lot to there's a lot to read. <laughs> and then the last thing of Marvel that I noticed of note, and then uh, anyone else can add if you if I missed anything. But in the Star Wars world from Marvel publication, uh, Star Wars Thrawn number one, which is going to be a mini series. <laughs> There Somebody's really excited at this table. Yes, yes. <laughs> Page 75, and as Katie drools over the pictures I'm going to put in front of her here. Um, yeah, I, I felt her just sucking all the oxygen out of her for a second there. And honestly, I, I don't know much about Thrawn. I pre-ordered this just because Star Wars and Marvel, I've been loving all of them. Uh, anyone else around the table that can kind of give a little... Uh, uh, in, is he from the Clone Wars? No, no. from uh, he, he extends from the um, original Star Wars continuity, and in the books and the novels, he becomes he extends on beyond that. He becomes mm -hmm. the force that runs the Emperor for, Empire for a while. He's a um, general in or an admiral in the Imperial Navy, and when the Emperor disappears, people rally around him as the new force that runs the Empire. But because continuity's changing now in Star Wars, uh, the only sh part you could be sure of is that he was an admiral in the Imperial well, Navy. Actually, I can, I can expound on that. So, uh, earlier, I think it was this year, uh, Timothy Zahn, who wrote the original Grand Heir to the Thrawn. Empire uh, series, where we first learned about Grand Admiral Thrawn, uh, he came back to write in the new continuity uh, an animal, a book called Thrawn, which is the origin story, at least, you know, what we know of it so far, of Grand Admiral Thrawn, how he comes to be in the galaxy and how he starts serving the Empire, and it tells a story about his kind of rise to the rank of Grand Admiral and his, um, well, he stays Ensign for a long time, but his Ensign Eli Vanto as well, telling that story. Um, so I thought that was actually really cool. The Heir to the Empire books came out when I was actually quite little. In terms of, um, yeah, I, I grew up with them. So they're at them in my house. I decided I wanted to kind of read them in order. Well, the new order, I guess, and start with Thrawn. Um, to kind of see where it's going for the future of Star Wars and then go back to the larger story. Um, I haven't read it yet, but he is also, I think, making appearances in the Star Wars Rebels TV show on, uh, I think... Mm. One of the Disney channels. Disney XT. Yeah. yeah. XT, used yeah. to be yeah. Disney. Which Disney is in its last season. Yep. Yeah. And the really interesting thing about Thrawn as a character in, in the Star Wars universe is people might remember that the Empire is pretty strictly anti-alien. Yeah. So for, and Thrawn is an alien. 
So for him to rise to the level of Grand Admiral means that he has to be a pretty remarkable character for him to get that far. Um, so again, the, the most newsworthy part of, uh, of this really is that it's a very rare occasion now that they're taking a character that's uh, pre-Disney, outside of movie mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. continuity, and bringing him in and pulling him into current uh, Star Wars continuity. Yeah. Excellent. Any other uh, picks from Marvel before we move into the uh, giant previous catalog? The really big catalog. <laughs> Just to second uh, what Anthony mentioned, um, all of the current Star Wars comics that Marvel is putting out are really, really good. So if you don't know Thrawn or you don't really care but you still want to try a Star Wars comic, uh, I definitely think they're a lot of fun. So feel free to jump in and give them a shot. Yeah, and what makes them so good is that you know the Lucasfilm has this console that like approves every little thing. And I've heard writers like Charles Soule, who's written a lot of those uh, Star Wars titles, He's talked about on podcasts that, uh, you know, he's creating continuity, but it's continuity that has to be approved, and he's definitely pitched things where they're like, nope, you can't do that because that conflicts with this and this and that story that we have going on that you have nothing, no knowledge about because it's, you know, in the inner workings of their, you know, go back to the Illuminati type of group, you know. So, yeah, that, I think that gives an extra, extra importance to the Star Wars comics that are going out because... They're just not doing what-ifs and just making things up and throwing it at the wall yeah. and just having fun. You know, they're creating stuff, but they're following guidelines and have to, you know, make sure it all fits together. Fits. That's nice. I remember 20, 30 years ago, the novels and comic books yeah. would all contradict each other. Oh, yeah, they did. I kind of gave well, up the, on them now. The Star Wars universe was really interesting in the novels, though, because Lucas maintained control, and his one rule was you cannot break continuity with previous novels written. Um, so you had to have continuity throughout the... See, we're going into the big catalog. I have yes. to leave soon. So let me quickly... You, you jump in. <laughs> jump in. Um, when I'm looking through the catalog, what fascinates me as much as things I get really excited about are things that I go, hmm, sounds vaguely interesting. <laughs> I may give it a try. Um, at first, I wasn't going to try the Terrifics from DC, DC. When, it first came, when I first saw it. Because it has one of my least favorite characters in it. Oh, no. Last yes. man. <laughs> Are you kidding? He is the most well-known character from that one company that doesn't exist anymore. Well, I think I was ruined by for Plastic Man because it was on TV, and the TV cartoon was just awful. So, um, but, uh, but it also had Metamorpho, which is a character I really, really like. So, um, and the other two characters were vaguely interesting. So I finally said, all right, I'm going to give this a try. So I'm going to, I think, you know, the Terrific sounds kind of interesting. Mr. Terrific is a very interesting character. I like him as a character. I think it could add some real possibilities. It also flows right out of the metal um, storyline. So okay. it's a continuity piece with that. So I'm kind of interested to see that. Um, another one that surprised me that I finally, you know, I Kim Hodge, should I get this, shouldn't I? Is one called The Spider King, um, put out by... Like IDW? IDW. Um, a alien spacecraft Ooh. crashes in the 10th century, and it's about Vikings taking on aliens. That sounds amazing. <laughs> so, 
the the premise just sounds so interesting. They had a few um, images of the artwork. It was a little rougher than I like. I usually like a very clean line in the artwork. I I um, read in comics, but the story was just so interesting. I said, "Okay, fine. Let's see what happens when Vikings fight aliens." <laughs> We've had cowboys fight them, so now, <laughs> so it's now we get some, let's get some Vikings. <laughs> um, and the last is Rough Riders. Um, I think it's put out by Aftershock. Aftershock. Um, yeah. This is the third story arc in Rough Riders. Um, I'm always fascinated by comics that, or stories, in fact, that take historical figures and give us a interesting story about them. Um, and that's what Rough Riders is all about. Teddy Roosevelt has this covert team that he calls up for really big, earth-shaking things to go out and deal with it. And you, he has characters in it like Houdini and um, Tom Edison and um, Johnson, who I think was a boxer back then, and uh, ex-convict um, Eastman, who is a part of the team. Um, and it's just a very fascinating sort of, let's take some historical characters and say, what if they were facing, like, Anarchist was the second arc. There were anarchists who were trying to overthrow the U.S. government, so he takes these people out. Um, the first one was Aliens. This one is undead. <laughs> so I'm kind of looking so, forward to that as a as an interesting little piece. Okay, I've got a question now. Um, I, I was going to hold off until we got through some <laughs> more of these previews, but I know that you've got to get out of here, so huh? I'm going to ask you kind of ahead of time. Okay. Um, and I was going to put out there that. A lot of people see the previews catalog, they get kind of intimidated. There's a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. It's hard to get through. As somebody who goes through the previews and looks through it, do you have any tips for people on how to maneuver through this thing quickly so that you're not, so that you can find stuff that you're okay. looking for, but not? Um, the way I kind of started is first, I know some things I want to look for. So then that's kind of the primary thing. The catalog, though it's big and intimidating, does have a nice breakdown in some ways. It has DC stuff in this section, Marvel stuff in this section, the independence in this section. Um, and so you, if you have interest in those particular areas, you can go to that section. Um, I usually am very much into comics. That's what I'm looking for there. I'm not looking for the merchandise, so I hit the so merchandise no need pages. To even I just zip on. past those onto the next comics. Um, there's also an adult comic section, and I found very little in that that I find particularly interesting. So again, I just kind of yeah. flip past all that. So I think to have some idea of what you're looking for, and then realize that this is divided into certain sections, you can quickly eliminate certain sections and say, I'm just, I'm not going to look in that. I'm not interested in that. Um, and uh, when you hit those sections, you just kind of... <laughs> Go there's, to the next. <laughs> there's a lot of eye catchers when it comes to like full page arts and previews and like even in the beginning, whether it be the front or back cover, it kind of tells you, you know, here's some big things to look for. So when you flip through right away, you see something with Labyrinth. Jim had mentioned his excitement for Labyrinth. So like just within the first couple pages, yeah, you, you just, do get some ideas. It's an eye catching kind of thing, uh, which leads me into what I'll talk about first. But if you had any other things to add That's into my that, Okay. My two cents. All right. It's probably worth about that. So, <laughs> well, have a good week, everyone. Yeah, you too. You too. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so talking through this, I just uh, there's a couple things I pinpointed, so I'd have like the page breakdowns that I can uh, kind of quickly kind of go through and uh, spotlight it. 
Speaking of Joss Whedon, big, being a big fan of his, uh, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, because of his uh, involvement with the Marvel movies and now in the DC movies, um, he hasn't had many times, uh, much time to do comics until right now, starting in February, a four-issue miniseries of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Giles. Now, if you haven't followed the Buffy comics uh, since the show ended in season seven, they picked it up with the continuity, all executive... <laughs> Produced uh, by Joss Whedon in the comics, so it, like the Star Wars thing, it's all like approved by him and in continuity. And uh, so, in the recent seasons of the Buffy and Angel books, something happened to Giles that was very important, and which puts him into a very interesting. Uh, I'll just say Giles goes to high school, and I'll just leave it at that because there's a big revelation of like why is he in high school. And that's part of the uh, part of the reading when you go through the Buffy and Angel series uh, for the seasons and stuff. So um, that one I was super pumped because Joss is writing this one directly. He has not written Buffy since he did the initial season eight arc and he came back for a, a different crossover towards the end. But I don't think he's directly written anything in the last uh, several seasons. So it's fun to see this uh, miniseries pop up from him. Uh, so that's from the Dark Horse Comics. Then over in DC, there is a bunch of crossovers happening with DC characters and their uh, the the Young Animal line, which is characters like Doom Patrol and Mother Panic and all of these kind of characters, which are existing. They're all kind of shepherded by uh, musician and comic writer uh, Gerard Way, and he's created these Young Animal uh, titles. And I, I've jumped in and out of some of them, and you know, just because my extensive reading, I didn't. You know, get super attached to a lot of them, but what I thought was interesting was that they have all these one-shot crossovers, which I'm, uh, I think they're at the very beginning, that's what I'm trying to find them. Uh, one-shot crossovers with the DC characters and these young animal characters. I think they go to the end of the DC stuff. Is it at the very end? So I wasn't sure just because it was, uh, oh yeah, here it is. Normally it's at the end, but because it's these, it's a, taking the... JLA, it's taking Batman, it's taking, you know, uh, Swamp Thing, which, hey, uh, Doom Patrol and JLA, they're kind of coming together, Wonder Woman. So there are all these one-shots just telling these, you know, mending of two universes. While Young Animal exists within the DC Universe, they don't directly tie in, like, with Batman and stuff over the last year. They kind of exist on their own plane uh, while still being part of the, you know, overall connected world so yeah they have these interesting one shots that i am uh, i ordered all of them up and i'm after them doing their team up with the looney tunes of last summer i'm sold for and their harley and ivy with betty and veronica anytime that they're mending two different things that don't normally go together usually leads to some good comics there so that's one thing from dc that i'm excited for um, they also have this, because uh, February is uh, Valentine's Day, so they have this crazy uh, Monsters uh, one-shot special, um, which caught my attention once again because Swamp Thing is involved in it. So if you're interested in a monster story for the month of February, they have one, which I am, can't find the page right now. Monster Valentine's Because nothing says Valentine's Day like monsters. Yes. Even monsters need love. There you go. That might even be one of the taglines, honestly. <laughs> um, uh, the Young Monsters in Love, number one. It's a one-shot. Uh, so 
don't let the number one fool you. There won't be a number two unless maybe next year they'll do. Yeah, one. they they typically do. Unless that somebody really really likes it. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, they say it's hard being a monster and even harder being a monster in love. Sparks will fly and hearts will be broken when the ghouls and ghosts of the DC Universe assemble to bring you Valentine's Day that uh, no one saw coming. So yeah, that's an interesting uh, thing because it's a it's a one-shot commitment and one-shot commitments are you know, pretty fun and easy to do. In the DC section, I picked out... Um... Batman Sims of the Father, which is based on the Telltale game. Oh, so, okay. That's coming out in February. Yeah, that's coming out in February, too, yeah. So, uh, yeah, there was that. And then we uh, jump over to Image, and they are bringing back, as we see on the cover, the character of Kick-Ass. Now, anyone else around the table, uh, whether you read the comics or the movies, anyone? I've Kick -Ass? seen the movies, and afterwards I did go back and read the first series and uh, so now what Image is doing, uh, they have actually picked up the title. Uh, creator Mark Miller and John Romita Jr. are returning to the character after 10 years since the character debuted. So uh, what they're doing, they're uh, kicking off with the first story arc, and then they're going to tell stories about other people taking over the kick-ass mantle in like different like parts of the world, and they're going to just do a lot. You know, It's going to be an ongoing monthly series, and they're just... You know, kicking off with the original creators, but then getting superstar writers and artists to kind of keep the character going and just seeing different perspective of different cultures and different, you know, areas around the country of people being inspired by this young kid who decided he wanted to be a superhero. And then uh, it turns out that, you know, he doesn't have any superpowers, so he basically gets his butt kicked. And, uh, and that series spawned a character called Hit Girl, which is the exact opposite of. Dave Lubozowski, uh, something like that. Um, whereas she's an even younger child who was trained um, in to be like an assassin and a killer and a superhero. She doesn't have any powers, but she's uh, has a has quite the mouth on her and quite the blades on her as well. And I was happy to see that uh, Hit Girl is coming back as well. Um, once again, kicking off with Mark Miller doing the first arc. And being a big fan of Kevin Smith, they had announced that when the second arc kicks in, uh, Mark Miller reached out to Kevin and says, I want to see your take on it. So that's going to be the same thing, too, of just getting different creators oh. writing characters that were solely written by Mark Miller and drawn by the coinciding artist in his Miller World uh, continuity universe and stuff. So I was pretty uh, pumped up to see that... Because uh, that... Kick-Ass was coming out when I was like starting to get back into comics. I was on board right from the get-go from that. Um, and then from uh, Image is uh, something that, talking about things that kind of catch, you, uh, catch your eye, there was something called uh, Bingo Love. And this is an original graphic novel in which is uh, when Hazel Johnson and uh, Mary McRae met at church bingo in 1963, it was love at first sight. Forced apart by their families and society, Hazel and Mary both married young men and had families. Decades later, now in their mid-60s, Hazel and Mary reunite again at a church bingo hall, realizing their love for each other is still alive. What these grandmothers uh, do next takes absolute strength and courage. And yeah, this is an original graphic novel, um, 9 88 pages there. And, you know, it's just a interesting thing of creator-owned work, you know, coming out of Image. Nothing that's grounded in superheroes and tights and, you know, 
accidents with chemicals. So and, it might not be monsters in love. Yeah. And yeah, so then we jump into that. And like I said, that was simply, if I saw the normal image of this, it wouldn't have caught my eye. But I saw the title that was Bingo Love. And I'm like, well, what's that? You know, like just that those words together. And uh, so that was enough. I'm going to pre-order that one there. Um, speaking of Alterna Comics, they have a new one, uh, Sinitis number one, I think is uh, how you pronounce it. Um, I don't have the page number on that one, but as you were talking about, David, just like new series keep coming out, they have yet another one coming out uh, coming out in February. There. Yeah, especially because so many of these are limited uh, series. You know, they'll have uh, four or five parts to one story. As that one ends, they start uh, putting out new ones. And it's easy for some of these uh, smaller publishers to kind of get lost in this giant catalog when you have something like a miniseries. And so that's why spotlighting on the Facebook page and or now doing the Audible version. Um, speaking of original graphic novels, another one that caught my eye based on the title. Uh, the cover would have caught my attention on this too, but this one's called My Boyfriend is a Bear. Original graphic <laughs> novel. Well, uh, well. I Yes. Does this have anything to do with the shirtless bear fighter? Because I could just see... Uh, <laughs> I, I wish it did. This would be a good crossover right there. It would be, but it is nothing like that. And uh, it's not the typical uh, bear sense that you may uh, um, may associate, uh, the terminology-wise. Yeah. And this is called Bear Meets Girl. Nora has had bad luck with men. When she meets an actual bear on a hike in Los Angeles Hills, he turns out to be the best romantic partner she's ever had. <laughs> He's considerate, he's sweet, he takes care of her, but he's a bear. And winning over her friends and family is difficult. Not to mention he has to hibernate all winter. Can true love conquer all? Um, yeah, so this one's interesting. Uh, what uh, Some praise that also caught my attention. Uh, Jojo Moyes, which I believe is how you say her name. She's the author uh, and screenwriter for Me Before You which is a book and film that I love from uh, this past year. And she says, This book made me laugh and cry, bittersweet, unsentimental, and as honest as a book about a bear boyfriend can be. So, yeah, that's an interesting uh, interesting sell there. But, you know, when it comes to comics, like I said, too, it's not just all about, uh, you know, just superheroes and tights and stuff. And it's things like that when they're original graphic novels and there's a couple art sample pages uh, from Oni Press for this uh, graphic novel here. So um, so those are a couple highlights that I know I'll be uh, sharing on the Facebook page amongst uh, several others. I don't know if anyone else has had time to go through the other publishers outside of Marvel. Uh, I'm from Xenoscope, I'm picking um, Musketeers number one. Uh, yes. It is... Uh, Looks like present day. Um, the cover caught me. Um, it's a couple of people with swords, and it's in Philadelphia. Let's see. A new team is introduced to the Grim Universe. A group of superpowered beings calling themselves the Musketeers has emerged in Philadelphia, using their powers to help those in trouble as well as to give themselves a lifestyle befitting champions. The line between hero and villain is easily blurred, and while a team sees their actions as as justified, the city's police force has their own ideas. Ones that will see the musketeers locked away. So yeah, that's one of the benefits of uh, going through the, the giant version of the catalog because uh, you get these kind of stories that kind of slip by from you if you're not familiar because 
a lot of times you're kind of conditioned to be like, oh, what's new from, you know, the big two, Marvel and DC. But once you move into things like Image and Boom and IDW and Dark Horse and Alterna and just Zenoscope, as you mentioned, Oni Press, there's so many different publishers out there that uh, unfortunately can get lost because they're kind of buried in the back ahead of, you know, the heavy hitters like a Hellboy and a Batman and stuff like that. Um, but it, uh, I think, uh, I think you'd be pleasantly surprised if you take the time to flip through the catalog, which are also, uh, available here to come in, sit down and look through and, uh, take one home and, uh, build your pull list today. Anything, uh, about the previews and pull list? Uh, no, other than, uh, I recommend, um, uh, picking it up and looking through it earlier in the month. Uh, they're, they're typically due... Yeah, like about the last week or so of the month. Um, but if you look early, it gives you a little bit of time to, to go through and really think about what you want and, and time to get uh, get your orders put in to make sure that you've, you've got everything covered. Um, so yeah, I just would really recommend trying to get your hands on it early and to give yourself enough time to, to look through everything that you want to look through. And then if you haven't had time, uh, like I said on the Facebook page, follow Crimson Call Comics on Facebook. And every Sunday for the next three, I'll spotlight Marvel picks, some including what I just talked about here, DC picks, and then I'll do an independent section, which kind of gives you, you know, time to see a couple things that may catch your eye. Um, and then it gives you an extra week or so to, uh, you know, send a message and come in, stop in, and, you know, add things to your pull list and, uh, um, many different things to check out then. Yeah. And I do have to say that I'm, I'm surprised still that at this point DC hasn't followed uh, Marvel, because Image has now. Uh, Marvel's yeah. got their own, uh, aside from the spotlight, which actually gives you you know that little bit of a preview on some of the selected uh, titles that they have coming out. Trailers for comics, as I hear from you guys. Right, right. and that's what I like to say. It's kind of like getting a trailer, but for comic. Um, but they've got their uh, Marvel previews, which goes along with the regular previews catalog, but it's got um, all of their stuff in in a smaller, easy-to-look-through to book. Image now has their own... Um, image Plus? Image Plus, you know, that, uh, that you can go through if you're an Image fan, you know, that's separate than the regular previews catalog. Um, so having those bigger companies done it with, uh, with DC, especially now as they're kind of uh, getting to that point where they're uh, gaining on Marvel or if not surpassing them in sales at this point, um, you know, I'm surprised that they're not now going and following suit and, and doing their own thing to get uh, more people looking specifically at uh, the DC stuff without getting lost in, in everything else. But at the same time, it's probably a little bit more difficult to get lost in a bigger section like DC than it is to get lost in uh, Oni Press or Alterna or something like that. Yeah, and I honestly flip through every single page, and there's somewhere I don't stop and read everything, but it is an eye-catching experience where I'll just kind of go through and sometimes I'll backpedal and then I'll listen to podcasts and hear people talk about things, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So I encourage people here at the table, people listening, to uh, share your picks as well, too, and... Uh, that way we can kind of spread the word about what you're excited about and get more people to check it out. Any uh, final things for previews, picks, or anything anyone wants to add? I have a couple. Yeah. All right, so going the other direction from previews, the store also has a really good selection of back issues and long boxes. So 
uh, maybe you are trying to fill in a hole in your collection or you just want to maybe browse. Uh, I find it an easy way to get into comics or if you've heard about one from a while ago and aren't sure if you can get a trade. Uh, really fun to just kind of look through the long boxes, pick out what looks cool, what interests you. Uh, sometimes there's price reductions just if they've been out longer. Um, but also another good thing that you can take advantage of and it's pretty low cost, low stress, just fun. I don't think David's going to argue that, are you? Oh, no, no. Like... But, yeah, definitely come in and check out the back <laughs> issues. Uh, and we do add to them uh, pretty much every week we're adding to them. And for anybody who's actually sitting right now, if you look around, you can see um, we have crates billion. and boxes. <laughs> and uh, we probably literally have a ton of comics that aren't even out there yet that every week we try to go through and add them into uh, our selection out there on the floor. And through those back issues that you added, I recently picked up, Jim had talked about some of his picks uh, recently. I had picked up the one Marvel and DC did some crossovers, so just today I had bought and read the Spider-Man Batman story, and then I have a Hulk and Superman story too. So those are things I've always known that existed, but I've never seen them in the wild. I saw them here, and I bought them instantly, so it's... Uh, not all about new comics and comics that are coming out in the future, but also, you know, I may have said this last week or on a different podcast, but, you know, if you haven't read the comic, it's new to you no matter when it came out, basically. So, well, And if you read it like 30 years ago, uh, <laughs> it, it's kind of like being new again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah. I think that will uh, wrap things up uh, this entire time. I've been Anthony. And David. Katie. And Jim. To be continued. Thanks for listening. The Crimson Cowl Comic Club is recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles at 1749 Barton Avenue in West Bend, Wisconsin. For more information, visit us online at www.crimsoncowl.com.